Okay, Blake, I've been working on some jingles for our new website launch. So I've got churchy, churchy, church, church dear. Toby, what have I told you about singing on the podcast? It doesn't work. But you know what is working? Our new website. You can actually get it to load on your phone. You can actually buy a new piece of gear without your phone bursting into flames. Well, what if I spelled it out like C-H-U-R-C-G-E-A-R? Toby, Toby, stop. That is not working. But you know what is working? The search bar on our website. You can actually search speakers and speakers will appear. No joke, that didn't always work. Okay, what if I just did something like go to churchgear.com? You know what? That one works. Blake, without consulting Google or anyone else at Church Gear, name five brands of audio mixer. Yamaha, Digico, Allen & Heath, Avantis, and uh, yeah, I couldn't think of a fifth. Avantis isn't one, by the way. Welcome to the Church Gear Podcast, where we pull the tech out of the booth and onto the stage to share the most outlandish stories and hidden wisdom from the tech trenches. And now, here are your hosts. I'm your host, Blake Hodges, a man who picks up more gear knowledge around here than most people think. And I'm here with my co-host, who knows everything about every piece of gear we've ever bought, ever Toby Walters. That's a lot of ever. Yep. Especially for a man who thinks Avantis is a brand name of an audio mixer. What is an Avantis then? It's an Allen and Heath model. Allen and Heath Avantis. Was that on a board? It is a board, but it's not a brand. It's a model. I'm counting that at half. 3.5. What car do you drive? A Nissan Rogue. Is it? What's the brand? Nissan. Nissan. Is Rogue a brand? You might as well. Yes. No, it's yes. a model. It's a sub brand. You are you talking to your brand director about brands? It's a it's a it's a sub brand. Mm. Can I get three point five out of five? No. Three point two five. You get three out of five. Sixty okay. percent. That's that was your uh, GPA. Yes. Well, and that'll be what I get paid this week. People don't realize I'm paid by podcast performance. So yeah, sixty percent of your paycheck. <laughs> Sweet. So uh, I've been doing some fun, uh, and you know me and Dave Rodiger and Drew Hester and you know several of the people. Like, Your favorites now that they're here, and I'm I'm no longer totally. The favorite. I mean, we don't take you out to churches because you're embarrassing. Because you think Avantis, you're like, oh, is that uh, the brand Advantis? And we're like, mm. so uh, we get to do a lot of church site visits, which is so much fun. And so I was just want to do a quick recap and what they're running at front of house because okay. that's always interesting for tech directors. Which like, church? What are they running at front of house? So um, I'll start with Brentwood Baptist. We went to Brentwood Baptist, which is right next door to where you go to church, Blake, at Fellowship. Yeah, where we used to go. And so, Blake, I um, I wrote it down here. How do you pronounce that right there? All right. This word is an L-A-W-O-S. Laws? <laughs> so Lawos. If, if I delete the, the L, that's the name of the brand, L-A-W-O. How do you pronounce that? Lawo. No, incorrect. Lawo. It's a Lavo. Yeah, screw that. That's not true. See, the, the manufacturer is a, a German, and so that's how you pronounce it, I guess. It's his last name, Lavo. But they have a couple Lavo consoles, which are very unique. Like, those are often broadcast desks. Like, SNL uses Lavos for for their um, deal. And then I went down to Blake. It's it's February. It's cold a lot in Nashville. Toby's huh? going to flee to California and Florida. Uh, well, California's too far to fly because I hate to fly, so I just fly to Florida. And so I was just down in Florida, went to Calvary Chapel, Fort Lauderdale, and they're running uh, D-Live. Who makes D-Live, Blake? Alan and Heath. Did you guess or did I have that written there? You did not have it written there. Oh, but you got it. I listen every now and then. And uh, Coastal Community Church um, down there in Parkland, they had a D-Live as well. Uh, Bayside Community over in Tampa. No, they're in... um, uh, Bradenton, they had a D Live as well. Like these D Lives are kind of taken over in Florida a little bit. 
Everyone likes the D live. We've gotten a couple D lives in, haven't we? No, or no D. I'm thinking a D show. So a lot of D shows, speaking though. of D shows, they didn't have D shows, but uh, it was <laughs> D's a, shows. <laughs> D. Oh man, that's gonna get dumb real quick. So I uh, went to Christ Fellowship in West Palm Beach, and they are an avid house. So they have 14 campuses. Now, granted, I didn't go to all 14 campuses. Slacker. But there were avids everywhere I saw. Um, so they got SXLs at their broadcast campus. They got a venue profile at the um, the remote campus that I went to. And then um, Church of the City, where I go, um, they're running Ravages. Also, Toby doesn't have a list of all of these churches and their consoles. He's such a freak of nature. He remembers all of this right now. He's just prattling it off in his mind. It's so crazy. You know, I just, I want, I want to get the people what they want without having to write things down. I'm a seven on the Enneagram. I don't want anything that's uncomfortable. And writing down details and keeping copious notes, that's boring to me, Blake. I'll just remember everything. I, if only I had that kind of memory. That would be so amazing. Yeah. I'll tell you someone who, though, that I will never forget. It's the training and application support for Group One and Digico, but uh, he'd rather call you. He'd rather you call him Boss Man. I mean, he's a man who's been cringing at every bit of this opening story. <laughs> Kyle McMahon, Kyle, what's up? And why are you, why is he cringing at this, Toby? Does he not love consoles? What's going on here? You talked about a lot of uh, other churches, but none with Digico. <laughs> so thanks, <gasps> Toby. You do this to our guests. Now I didn't even tell you. Of course, Blake goes to fellowship. You know, um, David Mills. You know David? Yes. Yeah, so yeah. Fellowship is a big Digico house. They love Digico. Yeah, because I go to the good church. <laughs> I mean, I'm. we'll get into this, obviously, in this episode with Kyle, but, like, Digico's, I feel like, kind of taken over a little bit. So we see a ton of Digicos, and Kyle, we... I feel like we clean up your guys' scraps because all these churches have these wide eyes on these, you know, new Digico boards, and then they call us up and say, hey, will you, will you buy our previous board? We're like, yeah. sure, these are still great boards, but not quite a quantum. <laughs> yeah, our we had a week where we had a couple Digico pieces come in all at once, and that we do this thing called the early service, Kyle, where we do some videos of it. That's our best Yeah, I video. saw that. It's our best video to date still, like in terms of total views. People love the Digico. That was a good Digico week. SD10, SD9, S31s, like that was the, the tidal wave of Digicos coming into that week. Is that what I'm hearing? That we're buying all these old boards and that, you know, they're because people are upgrading for Digico. Like, is are you throwing a, throwing a slam at every other board company out there? Not at all. I'm sure Kyle would because he works for Group One. Kyle, would you would you say everyone else is, is just battling for second? I would, yeah. <laughs> I love a man with confidence. I That's love right. a man with confidence. That's great. Um, well, Kyle, if we haven't made you too uncomfortable to turn off your Zoom yet, we're going to keep going forward here with uh, five truths and a lie. Um, do you think you can beat us, judging off of our intelligence of the past five <laughs> minutes? Uh, I think I got gotcha. you. Okay. Talk about a man with confidence. I like this confidence. <laughs> Number one, I have had to place lavalier mics on two former presidents and Bill Cosby. So he got... Hmm. So, so he at least caught one disease from these three individuals is what I'm hearing by placing oh a mic on gosh. them. Number two, I once <laughs> did a show on a $250 million super yacht on the Adirondack Sea in <laughs> Croatia. Oh my gosh. Adriatic. Try. Adriatic. Blake, you're, you're just so cute when you try. I was so confident too because I knew what Adirondack was and then I, I heard my brain say that's not that word. What's Adirondack, Blake? That's up in like... Uh, New York area. It's yeah. like the mountains. Yeah, good. Number three-ish. I am an introverted person, and I don't like public speaking. Oh, just like Blake. 
Kyle, do you really? Well, I guess we can't ask him yet. No. Number four. I am very into. Glee, I was very into Glee Club in high school. Now, hmm. was that the show or actually oh. in Glee Club? I don't think it's the show that he's referring to in this potential truth or lie. Number five. I was president of the junior high AV club. Which would have qualified them to place an, a lavalier mic on the U.S. American president. Yes. That's redundant. U.S. and American. <laughs> Most of this show is redundant. <laughs> Number six. I have been to over 50 countries in 49 states. Goodness gracious. So That's a he, lot. He would have been to more countries than states. How many people can say that? That's true. Okay. Blake, I feel like the theme of all these episodes with these guests are that they have done so much more than you. Much more travel at the very least. Uh, accomplishments and intelligence. They know how to say Adriatic instead of Adirondack. But Toby, I work at Church Gear and accomplish things for <laughs> Church Gear. So what does that say about your judgment? <laughs> That's a good point. All right. What are we going to... Mm, these these are some good... This is a really great list. Where I'm going to pick the one that has already screwed me, the Adirondack. Adriatic. I'm going to say that that one's the lie. Okay. I'm going to lock it on that one. I'm going to say he looks like he's, because we assume he's an introvert because he's a tech, because a lot of techs are introverts. It's like what draws them to the, the tech industry. But I'm going to say that's the lie, that he's uh, actually an, don't you ride my coattails. Nope, I'm changing. I'm changing to. I already called introverted and you can't call that's, it. That's fine. I'm going to change to the 50 countries and 49 states because I just can't fathom someone being to that many countries. And you don't want to have to say Adriatic correctly one more that's time. That's correct. Okay. All right, Kyle, what's the lie? So uh, there was no AV club in junior high. So. Oh, man. That was the most obvious oh. one. <laughs> yeah, I, I did a lot of, uh, I did a lot of uh, uh, stuff around the school with AV, but there was no kind of club. I went to a very, very small school. So, uh, yeah. Um, yeah, the rest of that stuff I did. So, okay, if you're introverted and you don't like public speaking, are you having to do a lot of that with training and application support? Like exactly. Thanks, Ryan Shelton. Um, <laughs> thanks, thanks, Ryan Shelton, for hiring me for a position where I'm always... Now, I'm, I'm okay when I'm uh, uh, talking about stuff that I know about. Um, I'm, I'm completely fine doing that if it was a subject that I wasn't uh, you know, interested in or didn't know anything about then it'd be a totally different story. But um, yeah, I'm like most of our master series classes, there may be about 40 people in there and I'm okay with that. I'm still, I still get very, very nervous. Um, but uh, just like I'm nervous being on a podcast, but, but yeah, I am a very introverted person compared to some of the people that, uh, that I work with. I was going to say, Kyle, don't start a podcast because uh, <laughs> I speak about stuff I don't know about for a living now. And you see how well that's going for me. Uh, tell us about placing the lavalier mics on two former presidents, Bill Cosby. What the heck? When did that happen? Okay. And those are uh, different occasions. Um, two of them were uh, Butler University up here had a um, a series back, it was probably about 2004, 2005 maybe, where uh, uh, President Bush Sr., uh, came in on one event, and then a couple weeks later, I think it was um, Bill Clinton came in. And so both of those, uh, I was one of the main audio people on it and then had to interface with uh, uh, Secret Service and then sit near, you know, right in the front row in case there was an issue and run up a microphone in case, you know, the lavalier had an issue during the show um, or the speaking event. So uh, did... 
both those presidents twice. Um, one was about two weeks apart, and then, uh, and then in the next year, two different um, events I did that were more like corporate events. They both spoke at different events, and so I got to um, uh, mic them up again. And it's interesting, like both times, those a lot of the times it's uh, the Secret Service stays on that, you know, with that that one person that detail even after that time. So I got to meet them again. They give you a special pin. So if, if you're somewhere, they can identify you where you are and if you have certain clearances, but, um, yeah. And then the Bill Cosby thing was, a just a, a one-off event at, a, another university. And it was well before this was probably 2001, 2002. And so it was well before, you know, all the allegations and stuff like that, but it, that was probably even more nerve wracking than uh, dealing with the what? president. Then the president's why he doesn't have armed uh, guards ready to shoot you. I would assume. <laughs> I don't know. You when when somebody's completely iconic like that, I think you're so nervous. Like the sec- Secret Service is, you meet them first, and they're like, "Hey, we're going to do this," and they they kind of give you the whole deal of what's going to happen. And hey, we're just going to get you mic'd up, and you're kind of just in the background, you know, putting their microphone on and this and that, and they're kind of talking to people around them. So you're there, but not interacting where Bill Cosby, it's like, go to his dressing room and you need to put a microphone on him. So, And Blake, I know you're a different generation than me, but Bill Cosby is like, he was a hugely iconic celebrity. It's like if you met Dave Adam, Chappelle, Dave Chappelle, there you go. Yeah. I listen, yeah. I know that I'm a culturally uncultured swine on this podcast, but even mm-hmm. I know how big of a deal been, well, just ben, ben Cosby. Cosby. <laughs> Bill Cosby. <laughs> I know the name. I, Blake, I, we talked about drinking before these episodes. Listen, you, you told me to keep doing it. Um, <laughs> no, Bill Cosby has an iconic um, skit where he talks about how he grew up thinking his name was Dammit growing up. Oh, yeah. And I kid you not, someone showed me that in college. I cried for three minutes of laughter because that was my childhood. Yeah. So I love Bill. Well, because your comedy. dad is uh, Hank from King of the Hill. Basically. Yes. Yeah. It, so, you know. Art and person aside, I love Bill Cosby for his jokes. That's, that's hysterical. Okay, who do you even know who owned the two hundred and fifty million dollars super yacht, or was it? And did you like have to sign an NDA? Uh, kind of an NDA. Yeah, I've got some videos I'll share with you offline of uh, flying a helicopter there and off the the super yacht because um, that's how we had to get back to the main airport was from wow, f- you know, from the actual super yacht. So. Over 400 feet long, over 60 feet wide, so and enough to that you can put an actual couple bands on there to play little private events. So, I'm guessing this was not a Tomlin show. This was not a Tomlin show. No, <laughs> no, Toby. This was obviously Need to Breathe. So I'm guessing you can't <laughs> tell us who. It's it, definitely not. I, so you can't, I can't tell, tell us you who it was. I'm guessing that's. I okay. can't tell you. Uh, yeah, um, I'll, I'll tell it's you okay. offline. But yeah, it, uh, it was. Was it Michael Jackson or Beyonce, Blake? You know, we're just guessing now because we don't know, but... I was going to say Beyonce. Yeah. We're in sync today. Um, <laughs> so you've really been to 50 countries? That's crazy. Uh, over over 50 countries. I tried to go wow. through a list a couple days ago, and I was like, there, there, there. And I think when I was counting up, it was like 53 or 54. Does the world feel small to you at this point? It's a, it is a small world. Everything is connected, uh, especially in like in our industry. It's like, yeah, you never want to burn bridges because everybody knows everybody. So, um, yeah, but 
it it's uh, when you're traveling a lot, it gets very confusing um, what season it is. Like this, mm. not so much when you're traveling in the U.S. Because okay, I'm going to go to Florida, um, but when you're going to like places like you know Australia during the winter here and it's summer over there and you know where you're south of the equator in certain places and you come back and you're like i have no idea um you know what time of year it is it's like haven't we already had summer oh i was just over that you know in that that spot for three weeks or whatever and time kind of uh oh no kyle I just figured out that we're going to have church gear uh, Australia now so that Toby oh, has a place to go in the winter. I'm just chasing summer as my my new life goal. But Australia's too dangerous. I can't let you be over there. <laughs> Kangaroo There's will too kick many you in the face. <laughs> Spiders and snakes. Uh, snakes, yeah. I, w- I always um, say uh, Brad Law, who uh, mixes for uh, Hillsong United, I was like, how are you still alive? Like, how do you live there? <laughs> Everything's trying With to kill With a gun you. on one hip and a machete in the other hand. That's right. So, Kyle, there was no AV club in middle school, so that's not how you got into tech. Tell us, you know, a little bit about your background. What got you into tech? Uh, it's uh, had some hi-fi gear around the house that my dad had, and so I kind of got drawn to that very early on and um, also had um, had an uncle that had a lot of, really cool like stereo equipment. And so I thought that was, that was cool. But, um, I started, uh, doing stuff just at, I, I, you know, grew up and I still go to a Lutheran church. So very like scaled down, you know, mixers all, you know, powered all in one type setups and things like that. And just kind of learned it. Um, and then when I was in fourth grade, so not as young as Aaron Padilla, but, uh, (laughs) so I was around nine or 10 and, um, my parents helped me buy uh, some DJ equipment, some some professional speakers and things like that. And I started DJing very, very young. And then also was into doing like actual, you know, mixing with microphones and things like that for choir events and um, uh, vacation Bible school. And um, actually mixed in uh, starting in high school, started mixing some other schools in our county um, outside of the one that I was in, uh, went to. So, so just kind of got the bug there and then, you know, continued on. Um, when I went to university, uh, I went for both musical engineering technology and, um, technical theater. So I got out of the technical theater or, uh, the music engineering technology program. Um, it was more of a recording based, uh, thing and you wouldn't get into a studio until you were like junior year. And I had already been doing live audio before I got to, you know, college at Ball State and uh, just liked keep uh, like doing the, you know, the theater part of it in the live audio thing and just kind of stuck with that. So while I was in college, I got an internship with a um, local production company and started working there after my freshman year. And then you know, worked there all during the summers and on breaks and then continued that after I graduated. So I caught the bug pretty early, not, not Aaron Padilla early, but fairly early. That's really cool. Um, so man, you, you do all that. And I think it's, it's so hard whenever I'm in these episodes to hear like yacht and then went to normal college. Uh, it was super yacht by the way. Well, you know what I mean though? It's like, it's crazy that to go from that to then like, you then also were on the road with Chris Tomlin. Like, 
you're basically Jeff Sandstrom's mentor. I mean, like, what's <laughs> like? Tell us uh, some of the cool stories and lessons learned the hard way while you were on the road with Chris. And uh, I, I just, I still also am like, how does he, how do you get from Ball State College to that? Like, my best friend since kindergarten went to Ball State. It's a normal college. It's a cool college. But then you're freaking mixing for Chris Tomlin and on the yacht. So how does this happen? Uh, it's being in, some of it's being in the right place at the right time. Um, so as I was working for that uh, production company, uh, I had done two or three events out on, you know, in Denver and on the West Coast where Chris happened to be playing. And at the time, he didn't have um, uh, he didn't have a monitor engineer. So John Mills at the time, who now works for EAW, um, was the front of house engineer. And I just happened to be there and, you know, mix monitors for him on a couple one-offs back in like 2002, 2003, some 2004. And then in 2006, um, Jeff Sandstrom was mixing a Catalyst Conference in Atlanta. And I hadn't met Jeff up until then, but I was actually brought in because the conference um, was using a PM5D at the time. Mm -hmm. And the and Jeff didn't know how to use it so I came in to to show Jeff you know how to run that um PM5D cuz he hadn't had a lot of experience on it so I was just there doing that and Jeff at the time um wasn't out with Tomlin uh but the production manager for Tomlin at the time was on that conference um and so he asked me you know I had been out with a uh, several different artists in that that time period but they were like, "Hey, um, Chris uh, needs a engineer coming up for the one of the next upcoming uh, tour runs. Would you would you like to go out?" And it was my schedule was open, so I went out and started in the fall of two thousand six. And then Jeff came on. I think he was fall two thousand seven or early two thousand eight. We were doing some uh, passion event, re passion regional events at the time. So, um, so Jeff was doing the passion regional events and then there was a different engineer that was doing the, uh, front of house on the, the, the normal tour events for, for Chris. And then eventually they asked Chris or, uh, excuse me, Jeff to be the, the full-time guy, I think late 2007, early 2008. And then we toured the world together for about 10 years. So. I, I love what I got from that story is that you taught Jeff how to use a PM5D. <laughs> I think that's that's our clip right there. I mean, we we did suggest that he was Jeff's mentor. So, and and I joke about that because I feel like half the guests we have on talk about a moment in which they got mentored by Jeff Sandstrom. Like, and then Jeff taught me this, and Jen taught me this. So I love that you taught Jeff how to use the PM five D. <laughs> yeah, at the time I was I was, uh, I was touring with whoever you know wanted to hire me, and. Uh, at the time, um, like Avid Profile was really, really new at that that point. It had only been out for um, maybe about a year. Um, the D show came out like in 2004, I believe. And so this was, you know, 2005, 2006. And yeah, he needed help, not with mixing, but just knowing where all the buttons were and yeah. how to do things. And and uh, yeah, so I ran into the production manager, which I kind of knew and and then that uh, turned into a very long career with Chris, where I was with Chris at monitors for about 10 years and then front of house for two years um, until I left that to do what I'm doing now. So 
So tell us a little bit about what you're doing now. Um, when did you jump on with Group One and explain to Blake? Blake's thinking like, I th- wait, I thought he worked for Digico. So tell I us have what, been thinking that this what whole Group time. One is. Yeah, so uh, Group One is the distributor for Digico here in the U.S. So we bring in Digico and then we handle um, distributing it to the, you know, the dealers. Um, we handle training, support, you know, anything that has to do with, you know, between Digico and the customer, we're the that middle person. Then we've got um, regional reps around the, you know, around the country that are kind of our boots on the ground. Um, that are interfacing with the actual dealers and uh my free my screen just uh froze so uh, yeah your face is just sitting there flickered we can hear you though yeah well that's good well um yeah in in any case um my my power just flickered too so let me know if it does go out okay your audio is great but kyle did tell us for everyone that a huge tornado was about to eat his house right before we recorded just for context yeah, the uh, the actual alarm went off my phone, even though it was silenced. It was like, "Hey, warning! Tornado warning!" Until this time, so yeah. But I'm already in my basement, so yeah. Um, but yeah, so with Digico, um, uh, I started with them uh, doing one-off trainings uh, back in 2016 and 2017. Ryan Shelton was in a position where he was getting very, very busy, so they asked me to fill in where Ryan couldn't do. Uh, some trainings, and then that turned into a full-time thing. Um, I was ready to get off the road um, in a, you know, a touring aspect, and um, and so moved from, you know, an actual touring engineer to now just handling kind of training and support for Digico and Clang products. Okay, Kyle, so this is just my hot take, um, having been uh, around Church Tech uh, since COVID happened. And for Blake, his hot take would be, oh, yes, the, the best manufacturer of audio mixers is Avantis. So his hot take is a little cute. My, my hot take would be whoever <laughs> makes the Focusrite is the, the best manufacturer of boards. That would be Focusrite. Do they make boards? They do. Oh, okay, cool. Not for live audio. Do they make for... them that color red? Uh, no. All right, they no, no deal. So, no deal. Um, when COVID hit, like the, the major... Uh, console manufacturers had to suddenly pivot as the supply chain crashed essentially. And I feel like, uh, you know, for Yamaha, they just sort of like stood pat. They're like, yeah, we have a million other product lines. We don't need to do anything crazy. Allen and Heath, you know, they still kind of did what they did, but I feel like you guys almost used the, used it as a moment to become like the most, like the coolest, the most cutting edge console manufacturer in the space um, while everybody else was like scrambling to just find chips. How did you guys seemingly pivot into these new products that are just making waves and you're sourcing chips somehow and making all these new cool designs? Like what was the, (laughs) what was the panic level like behind the scenes? Well, I think uh, I can't speak into all of it, but I do know, you know, being part of Audiotonic. So you've, when you've got, uh, you know, an umbrella like that, that has multiple brands underneath it, you do have a lot of buying power. So between, you know, between Digico, Clang, SSL, Allen and Heath, um, not all parts are completely shared between all the, you know, between all the brands, but there are some similar things between them. So, um, but being a company that has that many companies underneath it, they were able to get some, you know, a lot of, 
a lot of parts to keep moving. Now, um, you know, when COVID kind of started that first whole year, there we were keeping fairly busy with installs because a lot of those things were arranged even before even COVID had started. So that kept kind of kept, um, you know, keeping things moving. Um, even up into t- a lot of 2021, things were moving pretty well. Um, once we got to the end of 2021, there was a lot of things worldwide. There were still shutdowns and uh, certain factories um, would shut down so you couldn't get certain parts. Um, so just the small little things that could you know, s- stop products from moving altogether was starting to happen a little bit here and there. And so it wasn't just one part. It would be random things here and there that would slow the supply chain. So, um, you know, worldwide, the biggest one was, um, Audinate and Dante, you know, um, there's a, there's a chip on the Brooklyn modules that became end of life and unavailable. And so everybody was feeling, you know, feeling the pain there because, uh, you know, people want to use Dante and obviously, you know, Dante has kind of grown in the last 10 12 years, everybody wants to use it, but you know, when there's none of it available, then it's kind of like, um, how do you keep moving? Luckily our background, um, for all of our desks, Maddie is going to be standard really on everything. So even though Maddie's not a network interface, it's a point to point connection between, you know, a digital stage box and our console that kept us, um, being able to ship just because we're not, our system wasn't designed around uh, Dante. Um, obviously, we, you know, were able to use Dante, but that's, you know, it's never going to stop us completely. So between Maddie and Opticore, it it did keep us uh, did keep us moving. Um, and so, same thing in in the the case of Clang. Clang does use more Dante modules and things like that. So. Um, so that slowed some of our new products like the, the the vocal processor down. But we are at the end of the road. We've got our uh, new modules for like the vocal processors. So those are starting to uh, ship in in quantities where it was uh, it was kind of sad unveiling a product like that that was going to be so popular. And then, you know, the limitation is it has a Dante module and you can't get it. So it you know, the people that got in very early on got pretty lucky because, you know, they got the, their product and then things did extend out a bit, but we're kind of at the end of the road there and we're starting to be able to, uh, ship some of the new, uh, you know, Dante products that, uh, you know, with our DMI cards and things like that. So hopefully things start to subside from here and get back to, you know, the old normal. Yeah, everybody, before times normal. <laughs> everybody wants the Dantes. Even even I last Friday I was hanging out with Jeremy, a worship mm-hmm. pastor, best buddy, and he was talking about how he just needs some Dante stuff. I was like, brother, <laughs> I can get you some Dante cards. Uh, it it's cute how you say that. I can, right? I, they might not be the kind that he needs. Like just because they have Dante on them doesn't mean they are the infrastructure that he needs for his specific setup. There's different Dante cards. Yes. All many, right. Many well, different ones. Okay, well, Kyle, uh, let's get some intelligence back into these uh, these audio waves here. Uh, so, tell us some of the new trends or innovations that we should expect from Digico or other brands that Group One has, like in the near future. Give us an inside scoop, and can you get us some different Dante cards that I can get for my buddy? 
well, we'll see on the Dante cards. There's a lot of back orders to be filled first. Uh, but uh, I would say, you know, working working with Audiotonics and having that many brands under underneath that umbrella, I think there is going to be a lot of innovation, um, uh, you know, coming up. We can't talk about some of it. Uh, it is going to be an exciting year. It's just uh, the three of us, can... Kyle. You can tell us. <laughs> you can tell us. Uh, you know, um, I uh, definitely come out and visit us at trade shows this year. Um, they're, they're, you know, I'm not going to get into, you know, what's on the horizon, but the, the software engineers are, are you know, going going forward and adding a lot of the feature requests that people have asked for in the past. And, um, uh, you know, I, I think it's going to be, uh, I think it's going to be a good year. Um, outside of that, I don't, I don't, I can't really get into, uh, specifics. Um, you nope. know, it, there was some exciting things, uh, last year where, um, slate digital was brought on, on, uh, under audio tonics. So, you know, Slate Digital making you know plugins and things like that. So, so maybe in the uh, you know in the future some of those those plugins are going to be ported over to multiple brands within the group. Um, so, so we'll we'll have to see. It's kind of still early with that, but obviously they bring a lot to the table. And going back to the super yacht, I'm wondering, Kyle, if if Blake and I and our millions of listeners all sign NDAs, can you then share all the insider information on what's coming with Digico? No. no. <laughs> he just I, shut me I'm down. I'm starting to think that Kyle picked up some of the secret from the secret service that he hung out with a long That's time right. ago. He's holding a lot back here. I oh. love it. Well, so maybe he won't hold back on Clang. Yeah. You know, talk to us about Clang. What does it really sound like for those who've never experienced it, i.e. me? Uh, for Clang, um, if you haven't heard uh, what Clang is, um, it's a first off, it's a, a German company um, that uh, went into binaural processing for 3D uh, in-ear monitors. So the, the whole idea behind, um, you know, listening to something in either a mono or, you know, normal separated stereo is over time you have, uh, ear fatigue. So for instance, if you've ever dealt with, uh, just dealing with, uh, mono monitors, there's only so much you can put in your mix. Everything kind of stacks on top of each other. You can EQ things um, a little bit to sit in different areas, but there's just not a lot of room to put things. When you get into stereo, there's obviously, you know, a lot more dimension into what you can do. Now, when you go into Clang, it's it's uh, takes a lot of the um, a lot of what uh, musicians did not like about in-ear monitors as far as like closing you off. You know, you can add audience mics in and reverb to kind of give yourself some space so things don't feel so, so closed. Um, but, uh, with, with, the the clang, uh, binaural processing, it's essentially like having like a snow globe around you, like a sphere where you can put things on your ear level all the way around your head up and down in elevation. So from like your feet, to directly above you, um, and move, having those options to put things in different places, your brain naturally, um, you know, uh, interprets where those things are and there's less fatigue over time. Um, a lot of the times when we're doing demos, like on a trade show and somebody comes up and they're like, well, yeah, there's a lot more space, but it's, 
you know, when you're going back and forth between stereo and 3D, it's it's getting louder. So that's the trick, right? It's getting louder. And it's like, it's not getting louder at all. Like if you if you measured this like through smart, it's it's no louder. It's perceived image and being able to put things in different places allows allows um, your brain to kind of recognize those focal points. So things of importance you can put in front of you, things that you need to hear but are less important you can put behind you or lower in the mix as far as elevation. And there's a lot less EQ involved um, when you do this also, because a lot of times people are trying to, for in-ears, they're, they're creating EQ to try to put something in a certain space. Well, there's less EQ involved when you're able to put things up and down in elevation and completely around you. So it's just like if if you are ever in a, like a lo- uh, loud restaurant, for instance, and you're talking to people across the table from you, you're able to, um, you know, listen to them and focus in on what they're saying, where there's all kinds of things going on behind you, clinking glasses and silverware and all that, that is there, it's making noise, but your brain isn't worrying about it. Um, so same idea by putting stuff in the foreground that's important, putting stuff that's less important in the back. And it's not like some people think that it's going to be like going to a movie and it's Atmos and it's things flying over. It's it's very, very subtle, but um, the people that have used it, the biggest thing about it is you're able to listen at a lot, a much lower level. Um, uh, when uh, uh, Kevin McCarthy, uh, Tater is his name, not the um, Speaker of the House, but... There's an engineer that has been using Clang from very early on. He started using it with Linkin Park, um, and they said the drummer used to listen to his clicks so loud, um, but by just putting it in front of him and slightly up, they were able to bring down his entire mix close to 6 dB just because of being able to space things out. Wow. So at the end of the day, the the biggest thing about it is you're going to be able to, you know, save on hearing over a long day of listening to, you know, rehearsals and doing multiple services by the end of that last, you know, rehearsal, your ears aren't going to be fatigued and ringing. So Toby, am I hearing that we just found the solution to turn it down at church? Everyone just needs clang. This is very, <laughs> this is for the in-ear mixes for the, the musicians, the people oh, on stage. Not, dang it. You, I thought I'd solved Karen. I know. I'm sorry, Blake. Is so? Is to... this whole conversation blowing your mind a little bit? Well, I'm just remembering the experience at MXU headquarters where they played that immersive experience. I'm just imagining it's like this, but in your body. A little bit. Point. Yeah. Wow. Huh. It was. Yeah. How would you um, compare it to listening to immersive audio through, you know, the L Acoustic Lisa or the DNB, um, the immersive systems? Uh. A little bit different. Like um, the the whole idea again with the binaural processing is it's a more of a natural experience. Like if you weren't wearing in ears and you're out on stage and you've got wedges and the band is naturally around you, it's placing things like that. I think you know between um, you know the D and B soundscape and Elisa um, from L Acoustics and other manufacturers that are are doing immersive. Those are, I think, are a little bit more creative in I'm going to have things moving around a little bit more. It's obviously trying to do the same type of thing. And it's also uh, in the case of those, you know, uh, immersive products, what they're trying to do is level the field a little bit in a concert as far as 
where things are coming from. Um, in a normal situation, if it's just a you know normal left and right PA, the majority of the audience isn't getting that if you're panning something hard left or hard right or in between that, depending on where they're sitting. So one of the big things about that, like, um, you know, whether it be a Mer uh, uh, whether it be a Lisa or soundscape is kind of, uh, giving everybody, you know, these focal points of where things are inside, inside the image. So I think, you know, like the, I was there for that, the MXU demo when they opened up the headquarters, uh, or the soundscape demo. And it's definitely really impressive. Um, did you guys get to go to the first mixing event there? That they uh, Blake and I didn't, did. but uh, Dave and Drew went. They were there. Yeah, yeah. So Toby's so favorites that, were there. <laughs> yeah. So what they did is, for the most part, they were doing mainly everything in like the the left and right field, and then without really, you know, they they didn't even dial this up. They just had certain channels that they could put into the you know immersive soundscape, like almost surrounds, and they just picked certain things, and just by doing that. Know, moving it from that that left and right to completely you know encompassing or surrounding you um you know like reverbs and things like that it, very 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 interesting um uh, it's it's obviously a lot you know a lot of speakers and things that things that need to be deployed um but uh but it does make for you know an immersive experience and i've never personally heard um the clang system we actually have a Fabrique in stock right now, but you know, going back 10, 15 years when I was leading worship, um, I wanted to have something like that in my ears. Like it was very, you'd, you'd put your ears in and it was like you were closed off from the room. It's like you were separated, even though you're trying to lead worship for a room with a thousand people in it, you now feel like you're isolated up on stage because you're not hearing what they're hearing. Everything is just Right I have always ears. wondered how yeah how you do that. Yeah, so I would often even just take one out so I could experience the room some, and then I kept having to turn up the other one because I couldn't hear what I needed to hear, and it's just it's exhausting on your ears. So, what you're describing, Kyle, was kind of like I wish that existed back then when I was leading worship. Yeah, and some of the other things about it is, um, you know, they do give you other options as far as uh, just the application itself. You're able to go into like an engineer or a, a um, musician cue mode, where if you need to help other musicians on stage, you can go from where your mix is, kind of select the mix that you want to go into, and then help dial that person's mix and then go back to your own mix. Um, a lot of churches that we have um, using Clang, they'll take the, the sends off of the front of house console, um, send it into Clang, and then they've got an app um, the application out front running on a, usually a touchscreen computer, and then they'll put one beside the side of the stage and then have a volunteer kind of monitoring that almost like a secondary, like monitor console, um, position, because by going into that cue mode, you just have a cue pack and, and you're able to listen. And if the frontline singers during the service need a, a slight adjustment, they can just look over and make the adjustment. So there's a lot of, uh, customization of what you want to do with, with the software. And, um, you can talk to, you know, Drew, um, and his, uh, his dad, Doug Hester, um, they've been we using... heard he's basically built Clang. Is that true? <laughs> <laughs> he, he's a very, Doug is very, very, very smart. Like, and, um, like, Hey, I would like to do this. And the, the, the thing is the Clang team is so, uh, 
they're so involved that they're able to pivot pretty quickly. Hey, yeah, let's see. Let's see if we tried this or that. And they can get, uh, you know, usually a beta out within a, usually a couple of weeks. Now, you know, uh, Doug is very methodical in how he um, dictates things and how he wants it to happen. And so they can figure that out as opposed to, uh, you know, somebody just requesting something that's just kind of in left yeah. field. But, um, but, you know, having, um, you know, a team that's small enough to be able to pivot on those requests, um, you know, makes it, uh, makes it pretty cool. Yeah, that does sound really cool. Um, speaking of cool, tell us about some of the coolest live events you've gotten to be present at over the last, you know, year or two with Digico. And I'm really hoping it's somehow connected to a Taylor Swift tour or the Washington Commander Stadium. <laughs> or I see there's a One Republic native poster behind you, which is a perfect album, like literally one of the only perfect albums in history. So <laughs> I'm hoping one of these is connected to those. Uh, yeah. So in the last two years, I wouldn't say uh, there's been anything that uh, that that's been like, you know, really, really awesome. Um, uh, just because I, I'm doing less events now, I'm going and doing trainings and, you know, I'm seeing what, you know, churches are doing and this and that, and, and those things are cool. But as far as like events go, I'm so not involved on the, you know, the, the front end of those anymore. Um, you know, talking about the one Republic thing though, uh, I sent you guys a video of one of the events we did back in 2014 at this, uh, it was at the Paris auto show. And we were there for a few days before this, this event happened, but they were unveiling a few new cars. And I think one was either a complete electric or uh, electric hybrid or something at that point. And, uh, one Republic was playing part of the event. So we got to see, you know, what they were doing, but this hotel they had taken from, it was completely dilapidated. Um, graffiti everywhere, just kind of a, a mess. Um, and an investor bought the hotel and brought it back to its 1940s glory. It was actually, I guess, something that happened in the 40s that the, um, the bathing suit, the, biki the bikini was first uh, shown there. So I don't know if it was part of like a fashion show or something, uh, but that's where the, the bikini first was kind of unveiled to the world was at this hotel. So it's kind of, this place has a lot of history, but one of the first events they did after it opened, like this opened probably late summer and auto shows in like October. So what they did is they have an indoor pool and they drain the pool. Um, and, uh, there's a deep end and a shallow end and they had cars on lifts that lift out, out of this, like, almost out of the, like a low fog. So you don't see it, you know, during this, you know, reveal, there's just like the, the pool is filled with it. I sent you guys some videos from it. Um, but, uh, but all the behind the scenes to make this happen, you know, from doing temperature control to make sure that the fog didn't rise out of it and then kind of get a, give away the gag, but seeing some of that, um, probably one of the coolest things and Jeff was part of this too is, uh, this was an outdoor event we were doing with uh, passion conferences on the world tour. And I think this was in, this was either 2008 or 2009, but we were in Uganda um, in Kampala. Um, the first time we'd, we'd went to Kampala and the, there was all kinds of issues during load in. Like it was beautiful when we got there, huge storm came over, um, 
you know, video screens fell face first in the mud because they didn't have all the supports wow. uh, done yet. Um, our M7CLs got like the tents that were there, they blew away and the consoles got soaked and the techs got them up and going, but with no phantom power and stuff like that. And, uh, and um, so it was like really hard to get up and going in, in this, you know, this environment. Well, it came to doing the couple of show days and the, the actual generators were just ancient um, and they would keep turning off. But in one of the morning services, uh, Matt Redman was leading power goes out again. It was the first time the power had went out during an actual uh, session. And so, you know, everybody kind of knew on stage what was up, but this is the first time it happened in front of the crowd. So, you know, Matt takes out his ears and just sings, uh, you know, starts singing shout to the Lord into the front, you know, into the front audience, you know, that's close to the stage. And then, then having that go to 20 to 25,000 people back on this, you know, this open air field and just everybody worshiping until they could fix the, uh, Wow. Uh, until they could fix the actual generator. And so like things like that, you know, it's everybody else is like, you know, that's, that's a panic moment, but you know, it eventually got fixed. Everything got back and going, but, but some of those, those panic moments create, uh, you know, some ver very, very memorable moments. I love that. I was getting uh, a little bit of chills just cause I can see in my mind, Matt Redman, just sort of leaning into the front row and just starting to sing that chorus and, you know, it, it just following through the crowd. And then as he's saying, 20 to 25,000 people singing that song, like that is a moment. And Blake, yeah. I'm speaking of moments of panic, Blake, let's play a game oh, of no. you versus Kyle. I was going to lead us to this beautiful moment of like, we've heard this similar story and how I think God's trying to show us all on this podcast that like when the tech all goes out, he's still going to move. But no, here we go. Let's move to Toby's madness. Yeah. So uh, Kyle, we like to play games occasionally with, uh, we, we essentially like to explode, expose Blake's uh, lack of knowledge around technical things. So uh, since you, you know, do a lot of training and support for Digico, we're going to play Name That Mixer. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to name a model, which is not a brand. We should also give him a heads up. Uh, Kyle, I'm going to run at this with a reckless abandonment because I don't know anything. <laughs> so I have to, what I lack in knowledge, I make up with enthusiasm and game theory. So the moment you think you know it, shout it out because that's what I'm going to do. So Blake, I'm going to give you a little help here in that you have five brands of audio mixer to choose from. So well, any the of these models. I missed? No, well, I'm going to give you five brands. Okay. All of these models are one of these five brands. Okay, so the five brands are Yamaha, Avid, Midas, Allen and Heath, SSL. Okay, I didn't even throw out Digico because I mean I feel like we preach into the choir. It wouldn't even be fair because Kyle. <laughs> well, it, oh, no, and, and as we established at the beginning, Digico is so fast and beyond these consoles, Obviously. it can't even be in the same Obviously. room as them. <laughs> Okay, so uh, I started out with the, the first five, Blake, we, we actually have in our warehouse in stock right now. So I'm giving you some help here, Blake. Okay, number one. So again, first one to shout out the manufacturer's name gets the point. So SC48. SSL. Avid. Avid is correct. Blake, I'm really hoping you can get this one. Come on, come on. M7CL. Yamaha. Oh, Good job. Po point to Blake. Okay, next is a 
Pro 2. Midas. Oh, I Kyle. knew that. I just put one of those on the early service. Okay. Next up, we have an L500. Yamaha. SSL. SSL is correct. We just got two of those in today, Blake. You well, walked right by it as Bog was, Boggs was testing it. I actually almost ran into it. <laughs> Because I was looking back at please don't run I was looking the back at Brian moving his speaker and I yeah. didn't look. I really almost mm-hmm. hit it. Okay, next up we have SQ5. SSL. Alan Heath. Alan and Heath is look correct. At, look at this smooth operator. He, he Okay. Now I'm digging in the trenches. So I I literally had to go to Google for some of these. So we'll see how you do. I mean, Blake, you almost might win just because just win he said four to one right now i know but let's kyle if you know these i'll be impressed here we go m916 yamaha that is correct i'm going off of m7 (laughs) naming conventions they have an m nice okay how about a dm12 allen and heath i'm gonna say i'm gonna say yamaha incorrect for both of you that's a midas hmm Okay, how about a System 8? <laughs> Avid? Soundcraft. <laughs> That's not one of the options, Kyle. Avid? System 8. Hmm. <laughs> you got five seconds. Four, three, two, one. It's an Allen and Heath. Okay. That is a very, very old school analog Allen and Heath board. Somewhere, somewhere in America, a tech is listening to this, and they were shouting it out. They oh, knew totally. it. They're like, I used to have one of those. Okay. I and use and it. final one, even though you can't win, Blake, because you're so far behind. Final one is 4046G+. SSL. Oh, you got it right. Stupid SSL naming <laughs> conventions. I don't, li- I don't like their models. Well, Kyle won, so Blake, you have to spin oh, the goodness. wheel of doom. So uh, go ahead and give it a spin here. Here we go. All right. Kyle, do you see what I put up with? We need HR. What'd you win? <laughs> oh, 10% of church gear. <laughs> You've gotten that before. This is official, all right? That's signed. No, it's not. Yep, I have 10%. <laughs> <laughs> all right, uh, Kyle, to get us back to some actual valuable content, um, I, I'm going to throw you under the bus of consoles and ask, what's your favorite console of all time? I want a Digico console because you're a Digico guy, but then I want a non-Digico console if you're legally allowed to say. Uh, I would say uh, SD7 or Quantum 7 is still my favorite. Um, Just lots of faders. uh, Can see a lot of things um, and redundancy built in. Um, Non-Digico would probably be as... It would probably be uh, just because, again, it has a ton of faders, ton of encoders. Was the you know the one D, mm. Yamaha PM one D. We have Even one though, of those for you, Kyle. Uh, I saw I saw one a few weeks ago. There's a there's a school there in Nashville that still has one set up. But I did a lot of uh, events, um, you know, passion events early on when that was still kind of the option. Um, but yeah, uh, lots of encoders, um, lots of faders. Um, didn't sound the best, but, uh, it, it got the job done. So nice. Um, well, speaking of getting the job done, Kyle, can you tell us a take a tech takeaway that, uh, you would advise to all the church techs out there to make their Sundays better? Give us something good to wrap on, wrap this episode on, on all of our nonsense. Uh, be really good at paperwork. Um, 
I like that. I haven't you know, heard that one. What's that mean? Yeah, it's it's a uh, it, in the case of I've I've come into some situations where uh, we you know going in to do uh, a training where they kind of don't know their system, like where things are, where there's it might be like a uh, a box sale. So they they've requested training, but nothing's been documented in the past where things are and how things patch and um, and so not knowing exactly where things are in the case of there's an emergency. I used to be, when I was, you know, project managing a lot of the passion events, it was, you know, just binders of information. Um, because, you know, in the heat of the moment, as something comes up, you want to document it and you're not like, Oh, how did I do that again? Uh, so that, and then, um, outside of that is, uh, I would say for, for churches, uh, just because you have VLANs, don't put just everything on VLANs. Um, it turns into a lot of uh, troubleshooting later on down the road if somebody accidentally reconfigures their switches and things aren't talking correctly, um, uh, especially with our gear. Try to keep them on them on their own islands. Um, so, yeah, those are the those are my two things. Nice. What's a VLAN, Blake? Uh, it's, uh, it's the land of the Virgin Islands where Richard Branson goes to come up with his next business idea. That was pretty good, actually. All right. Uh, well, Kyle, man, we really appreciate you coming on. Uh, what audio consoles do you want to plug? Or uh, anything else? This is sponsored by Quantum 338. Um, no, no I that was great. To... That was great. You said you're not a public speaker. That was awesome. <laughs> Radio voice. Um, no, I, I would just say, uh, you know, check out our website, digico.biz and then clang.com, K-L-A-N-G.com um, for products. And uh, just, you know, keep a lookout uh, throughout the year for new and fun things. Yeah, all the fun stuff that he wouldn't tell us on air. Let's start, start making up a bunch of new uh, innovations and then saying that Digico's going to come out with them. Like, that can, you know, totally, like, launch a rocket ship or, like, save <laughs> you on fuel or discount groceries. Like, Digico is coming out with discount groceries. There we go. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Well, Kyle, thanks for coming on, man. No worries. Thanks for hanging out with us. We hope to see you back next week for more absurd stories, tech takeaways, and overall buffoonery here at the Church Gear Studios. Blake, speaking of discount groceries, where can I find some discount groceries? Uh, at Aldi? Uh, groceries are so expensive. They are. You know, the price of inflation's going up. You got to pay all these people here. I keep embezzling money. I mean, things are expensive. And it's very frustrating for people that just want to buy Digico consoles because it's like you, you do have to eat, unfortunately. Not if you're Drew Hester. Drew kept joking about buying a Digico console. And I was oh, like, I, think, I don't think he's joking. I think he's really trying to figure out, like... Do I have more kids or just buy a Digico? I'm now realizing I might have helped him steal that when I loaded that in the car. I thought he was taking it to a customer, but it might have been. I get it. Oh, crap. I'm now going to tag and share that moment and take back the 10% of church gear that you won from your Wheel of Doom. Yeah, well, okay, I guess that's my penance. But hey, while I still have 10% of church gear, uh, use code podcast to get 11% off at churchgear.com and uh, it'll save you some money. And then maybe you can steal something from Toby as well. It will not save you on groceries though, unfortunately. I'd try it at Aldi. <laughs> okay. Ah, Okay, Blake, I've been working on some jingles for our new website launch. So I've got churchy, churchy, church, church to, gear. To, Toby, what have I told you about singing on the podcast? 
it doesn't work. But you know what is working? Our new website. You can actually get it to load on your phone. You can actually buy a new piece of gear without your phone bursting into flames. Well, what if I spelled it out like C-H-U-R-C-G-E-L? Toby, Toby, stop. That is not working. But you know what is working? The search bar on our website. You can actually search speakers and speakers will appear. No joke, that didn't always work. Okay, what if I just did something like go to churchgear.com? Uh, you know what? That one works. <laughs>